Everyone. Every book. Every second is magical. This is our every. Everyone. Every book. Every second is magical. This is our every. Hello everyone, and welcome to the world of every. Given that this is our first episode, I'd like to take a moment and introduce you to your host, Avery J. I am the author who, over four years ago, based the universe of every on drawings of my two daughters. Never previously have I considered writing a narrative as long and as emotionally charged as this one. Yet, here it is. The first installment of the Every series, Every Darkness Descending, by Avery J. Self-published through Amazon with KDP. We are all aware that there are plenty of other excellent fantasy and fiction novels available to listen to, so why this one? Well, when you boil it all down, this is the tale that everyone hears from every perspective. It's the classic tale. Light versus dark, love and trial. But generally, it's the magical entities that seize possession of the world that we already have loved in order to transform it into their own, for their own reasons. So what's the difference? Every's planet is ruled by human-animal hybrid creatures. This is the tale of how a simple task becomes a hard and heartbreaking journey. Not merely a trek through the world, but through all of our heart's feelings and struggles. Be careful that some portions of the narrative may elicit unpleasant emotions, trigger some anxieties. Take the time to recognize that these characters, like us, must endure agony, anguish, and anxiety in order to emerge from the darkness surrounding them and into the light. Now, we'll start with the prologue, the beginning of the beginning. Listen carefully since some of the events that occur before our current time in every have very far-reaching implications. This is Every Darkness Descending by Avery J. This book is for my darling daughters and husband, without whom I would have no stories to tell and no one to tell me they are epic. Prologue Centuries ago, the Empire of Unicornith ruled the world of Every. Their castle sat in the Red Sea, shining pearlescent in the sun from the seashells from which it was made. The coven seat was the gift of the first emperor, Unicornith, Ferdinand, to his wife, Jessamine, before the birth of their second son. Each of the eight regions of the empire provided the seat with the contracted portion of their provisions. 
failure to comply led to harsh punishments. It was the responsibility of the crown prince to round up and arrest any violators for proceedings before the royal court of the Covency. Silence filled the Covency's throne room as Crown Prince Dover Unicornith waited for the proceedings to begin. His great wings dragged the floor as he paced across the dais. His talions clicked irritably with each step. He schooled his bearing while he returned to his place of honor, where he stood every court day since his eighteenth name day. Standing next to his mother, Empress Jessamine Vibia Unicornith, he impatiently watched as the traitors were ushered in, his best friend among them. Today would be different. He was furious with his parents. His attention was captured by the pained expression on his friend's face. Prince Dover waited for the magistrate to read the charges. Emperor Ferdinand Froy Unicornith, his father, ruled over the fate of Prince Dover's best friend and his household, unemotionally. Dover maintained his stiff royal posture as he quietly listened to the cases read aloud, wincing as they stated each. Inside his head, however, he wanted to scream. The infractions that were read were outrageous, insensitive, and unfounded. Oliver Ferdinary, Lord of Ferdinary Manor, I charge your household with treason. You failed to offer the contracted amount of goods to the coven seat for the past three years. Evading the quaffa when wanted for questioning did not help your case. Your son's absence from mandatory testing after elementary studies is unacceptable. These actions have sealed your fate. As a warning to the people who have yet to comply, we shall make an example out of you. The magistrate bowed to the emperor, his duties discharged for the moment. Prince Dover thought back to the time when his friend should have attended the mandatory testing. He had ridden to the manor to pick up his friend so that they could be together when they began their testing. The coven seat required all citizens to participate in magical trials after completing their elementary studies. Those found to have the dark gifts desired by the empire were taken and taught to embrace and nurture the gifts. These elite magi came to be known as the uni. All the regions submitted to the testing. Failure to comply led to the stripping of wealth and titles and imprisonment of both child and parent. Prince Dover returned his attention to his father when his rough voice sounded like a death bell. The throne room turned red with Dover's anger as the emperor said, We have sentenced your household to death by hanging. You have one day to bring your affairs in order. May your successor fare better than you. Emperor Unicornith dismissed the group into the care of the Quaffa, who took them back down to the torture chambers. Dover scurried from the throne room. When the meeting concluded, his composure shattered. Anger laced every movement he made. I have to go to Sam. He has to know that I did everything I could to prevent this. Dover reached the doors that led to the lower dungeon and found himself blocked by the quaff on duty. My son, I cannot allow you to go into the dungeons. You will not converse with traitors no matter how close they were to you. Empress Unicornith's voice was soft but stern in her edict. 
Dover turned his face to his mother. Anguish filled his features. You knew, mother. They could barely provide for themselves, much less the coven seat. You noticed they couldn't harvest the crops before they rotted. You refused to send them any help. Sam had no alternative but to help his house. It wasn't a choice of theirs. You forced their hand. He resumed his aggressive stance in front of the quaffa, ready to force his way through the door. Dilver felt an icy splash of water flowing from his head as he was rendered motionless by his mother's magic. Empress Jessamina moved to his shoulder and whispered into his ear, You are my son. I cannot allow you to destroy this empire. Your father and I have worked to unite it. You will not besperge our reputation by going into a cell and beg the forgiveness of a commoner. Act like the prince heir of the Unicornith Empire. Go upstairs and attend the small council meeting with your father. Her anger flowed out of her mouth in a hiss that he had not heard since his boyhood. The empress backed away from her son and moved her hand in the air. The prince stayed rigid and was swept horizontally, levitating in midair. Take him to his room. She sniped to a nearby quaffa. He will stay frozen until morning. By then, everything will be over. The adjust quaffa stepped forward and began pushing the frozen principal down the hall. Jessamine assessed the remaining soldier and nodded. None will enter their cells except the magi in charge of their possessions until the execution. None. Saluting, the quaffa bowed and resumed his watch. The executioner discharged his gruesome duties at dawn. Prince Dover was forced to watch from the closest of his windows in his apartments, giving him the best view of his dear friend's demise. Tears streamed down his face as he watched the executioner kick the stool from under each of the three family members. They were placed on the wall to swing in the breeze, reminding those who look upon them the repercussions that non-compliance in the Empire causes. Long after they released Dover, he remained to stare out the window, watching his best friend hanging like curing meat on the wall, sap the prince of any wish to move. As night fell, he forced himself to tear his gaze from his friend. Dover realized that even with his skills, he could never be his family. Fear gripped his heart, and he understood the desire flowing through his mind. A page brought him the news of his parents. He was to leave Covency at once. They would never be able to approve such a useless, magicless son as their heir to the Empire. His little brother would be crowned as heir upon his fifteenth name day. An idea of an Empire filled with light magic, mercy, and support of nobles followed him as he fled. A woman, not touched by the darkness, was hard to find, but was a necessity to his pursuit. Her strength power, purity, and determination would help him in building the ideal empire, an empire filled with equality, light, mercy, and love. His new goals in mind he set about packing only the most necessary items. He ran to the stables and saddled his stallion. As quick as he could he rode to the shores of the Coven Island, to the docks where he caught a schooner. Sitting in the modest suite as the vessel raced across the ocean, his stallion and cargo, 
he made his plans for his crusade. As they docked in a minor bay town at the edge of the Blue Waste, he began his course. Dover's expedition would lead him from desert to ocean, from there into the hills, across the plains into the forest, north to the ice, and west to the mountains. He ended his journey at the plains of Sokol after many trying years. There he married the queen and began to raise a family. His own family came against him to destroy the threat to their dark empire and failed. All but one killed in battle of the light and the darkness. Those children born in generations to come from the Sokol line would be the start of many generations of descendants that would produce the necessary changes over the centuries. Eventually, they would produce the ones who would bring about the defeat of the darkness for good. They would break the cycle of gloom and create the light to illuminate the world, because only through darkness and despair will the light shine. Thanks everyone for listening to the first episode of Every. Before we go, I would like to offer this time to answer any questions. But, you know, this is our first episode, so we have really no questions to answer. So, I'm going to go ahead and answer some of the questions I've always been asked. First, what do I do for a living? (laughs) People get wide-eyed when I actually tell them that yes, I am a writer for a living. Yes, I self-published my two novels, but that's not all I do. I also ghostwrite content with a content company online from home. Some of the articles that I have written have been given the privilege of having a byline, but I keep my professional writing and my fantasy writing written differently and separated by name. How did I get a pen name? Oh, that one was hard. It eventually took up a collaboration between me and my best friend, yes, you, Eve, and we made the name. No, it has no real significance to my real name or my children or anything else in my life. It was just a great name. How did I get started? Well, simple answer is my children. We love to draw, and one day during the summer, they drew these creatures, and they decided that they needed a story to go with them. Well, being a very encouraging mother, I told them to sit down and write one. Them, being typical kids during the summertime, refused to do so because it was so hard. So, on my off days between working 16-hour weekends at a nursing home, I proved them wrong. And then, I did it again. Here is a question I gleaned from Twitter. How much personal experience did you put into your books? Thank you for this tweet from Weeknight Writers or at WK Night Writers. This really hit home. Not in the prologue or in the episode itself, but in the future books, there is a lot of my own experiences in there. My love for healing, magic, and even my own children are represented. I did even place a few losses in the novels hence the warnings at the beginning. Lastly, before we go, is the ultimate question, and the one that my best friend keeps asking me. 
when will the third and final book be out? Okay, well, the past two years have been a really big struggle with COVID, hurricanes, moving into new homes, my new freelancing career. So it's been a bit difficult. I have almost gathered all of the data that I have lost during the hurricane and I have planned ahead but demands on my time seem to be increasing and I hit a wall in one of my transitions between one place and another in the story so it's been weird and unproductive this is the point in the stories where the story usually takes over by itself but there's no direction this time there is some progress, but it's been slow. That's all the time I have for now. Thank you for listening to every Darkness Descendings prologue. Have a question? Want the book? Find us on Facebook, Goodreads, and Twitter under every E-V-E-R-I. Catch the novels and audiobooks on Amazon and Audible. Shoot me some discussion questions. Catch you next time. every interested in hearing more have a question want the book find us on facebook goodreads and twitter under every e-v-e-r-i catch the novels and audiobooks on amazon and audible shoot me some discussion questions Catch you next time. Every.